The four words no president ever wants to hear, high crimes and misdemeanors. The lead starts right now. A momentous and solemn day for the nation as House Democrats unveil two articles of impeachment against President Trump as the president looks to put on a show with his presidency on the line at a Senate trial. Well, the president of Ukraine cannot get an Oval Office visit, but guess who just did? The foreign minister for the very country that actually did attack the U.S. during the 2016 election. What happened today when Putin's point man came to town? Plus, the truth hurts. President Trump attacking his own FBI director for backing an inspector general report that shoots down a self-serving conspiracy theory, not unlike the conspiracy theories that got the president to the brink of impeachment. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin today with the politics lead in what can only be described as a serious and historic day in American history. Democrats unveiling two articles of impeachment against President Donald John Trump, one for abuse of power, the other for obstruction of Congress, setting the stage for the third ever impeachment of a sitting U.S. president in history. The full House of Representatives could vote on the articles next week after they are voted upon and sent to the floor of the House by the House Judiciary Committee. That committee vote could happen as early as Thursday of this week. Democrats allege that President Trump abused the power of his office by pushing a foreign government, the Ukrainians, to interfere in the 2020 election. And then, they say, the president stonewalled Congress from conducting proper oversight. The response from the president and his allies has largely been to dispute empirical facts, to muddle the truth with half-truths and confusion, to lie, to put party unity above the obvious answer to a simple question. Is it acceptable for an American president to ask a foreign nation to investigate a domestic political rival? As CNN's Alex Marquardt now reports for us, the ultimate decision to impeach the House vote is expected to fall largely along partisan lines. Good morning, everyone. A solemn day, Speaker Nancy Pelosi called it as the Democratic leadership announced for just the fourth time in American history articles of impeachment against a president. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler laying out the two articles that charge the president with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. The first, abuse of power. That is exactly what President Trump did when he solicited and pressured Ukraine to interfere in our 2020 presidential election. The second article, obstruction of Congress. President Trump engaged in unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of the impeachment inquiry. We must be clear, no one, not even the president, is above the law. Other articles of impeachment had been discussed but were eventually ruled out, including obstruction of justice, going back to the Mueller probe, which some Democrats objected to including. The prevailing feeling was that um, we were better off ultimately with with two um, because uh, the obstruction of justice brought in a whole bunch of things and it was a mixed bag of tricks. Republicans, for their part, blasted today's announcement as a political move that is an embarrassment to Congress. We would never be here if they paid attention to the facts or the hearings. This is not a day that America will be proud about. It's not a day that history will write that anybody wants to repeat. GOP leaders attacking the speed with which Democrats conducted their investigation in just over two months, which House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff said would otherwise get dragged out by the president into a crucial election year. 
Why not let him cheat just one more time? Why not let him have foreign help just one more time? That is what that argument amounts to. The president's misconduct goes to the heart of whether we can conduct a free and fair election in 2020. Things are now moving fast. Sources saying that voting on these two articles are expected to begin on Thursday in the Judiciary Committee. Then we move on to the full House vote, which is expected next week. Jake. All right, Alex Marquardt, thanks. Let's all uh, take a step back here because this is a huge moment uh, in American history. I mean, the the House Democrats, a majority party, saying the president tried to cheat in another election and Mm -hmm. we're going forward. And it looks like they probably have the votes to impeach him. Yeah, it does. Even with the few House Democrats that are saying that they would prefer a censure motion against the president versus an actual impeachment vote, it does look as though Pelosi will have the vast majority of Democrats on her side, more than enough to impeach him and maybe release a few of those Democrats that are in difficult districts to go ahead and vote against the impeachment motion once once it reaches the floor. And and Sungman, no matter how much uh, the president says this is a a hoax or or whatever, at the end of the day, like this is going to be a big stain on his presidency. He's he is almost certainly going to be impeached by the House. I mean, remember, he will be the third U.S. president in the history of, of America to become impeached. And that is a very big deal and a very momentous okay, occasion here. And I think the president is very cognizant of that. But the president is already looking forward to the Senate, obviously. And they, he is looking to that as more of a favorable terrain, more where he can sort of have more allies on his side, maybe the procedural on procedures on his side. And but but you're right, it doesn't discount the fact that what we are headed towards through a committee vote later, perhaps later this week and a full uh, floor vote. It's a really momentous, significant moment for him. And Amanda, you're you're a Republican here. What's going through your head as this happens? Well, I listen to the Republicans say that the reason we're here today is because Democrats are upset about the election. That is not what the history books will say. The history books will say that Donald Trump was impeached by the House in the year 2019 because he solicited foreign interference in the election. It's the second time we've been here. But what made this different than 2016 was the fact that he paused aid that was due to Ukraine that was authorized by Congress. And that's where I'm kind of left hanging. They dropped, The Democrats dropped the bribery charge because we didn't find out exactly how that aid was paused. Mm-hmm. We can you know, in, take the inference that it was for corrupt purposes, but they didn't get there. And so I'm a little frustrated because if you want any chance of removing the president in the Senate, you had to prove that because otherwise it's the Mueller report all over again. You know, I asked Schiff about that a few weeks ago and he, his, his answer was basically, we have the acting White House chief of staff, mm-hmm. Mick Mulvaney, who said on camera there well, was a, a quid, paper trail. There was a quid pro quo. Right. There is a paper yeah. trail. But obviously the White House has been stonewalling. Uh, Paul, uh, you've been here except on the other side of it with President Clinton. Take a listen Uh, to the House Republican leader, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy earlier today. Democrats still cannot get over the fact that the president won the election and they lost. It is not hard to defend this president surely on the facts of what's out there. One of our greatest strengths is the rule of law. Other countries admire us because we believe in the rule of law. We believe in due process, but not in Nancy Pelosi's House. It's a very different argument from what we heard from House Democrats during the Bill Clinton impeachment. House Democrats right. basically said what the president did was wrong. It just doesn't rise to the level of impeachment for the most part. Right. Uh, and this is um, just denying basic facts on the ground that we all know to be true. Right. This is now a cult of personality. 
And it's a great party with a, with a terrific history going back to Abraham Lincoln, apparently the second best Republican president in the eyes of 53% of modern-day Republicans. Well, there's a poll that shows that Democrats think that Obama was better than George Washington. We don't have to Are get you kidding? That. Yeah. Well, that's equally <laughs> preposterous. But, anyway. but at least Obama was not a criminal, and Trump is now charged uh, uh, with, with abusing his office. And this is what... This is what troubles me. I think Amanda makes a great point, that the cover-up worked, the obstruction worked, there is a paper trail. My guess, it's just a guess, but it's a highly educated one, is if we saw those papers, they would not prove the president innocent. That he's probably hiding them, I know I'm cynical, because they prove his guilt. But we still know this pattern of, of obstructing, the, the, not just the Congress, but of trying to interfere with the election. As we meet, he's, he's sitting down with the Russian foreign minister, giving the Russians, as you noted at the top of the show, the meeting that he denied our allies in Ukraine. He began all this in July of the election year, asking Russia on national television, big press conference, Russia, if you're listening, hack Hillary's emails. Right Within hours, we now know from the Mueller report, they did hack. Uh, so we go through all that. He does the same thing with Ukraine. The day after Mueller testifies, he calls the Ukrainian prime minister, president and starts to try to get them to interfere in our election. He has called on China publicly to interfere. He told my old buddy George Stephanopoulos in an interview, oh, yes, I would welcome foreign interference. How much more proof do we need that this guy, and I think it's because he actually lost the vote. You know, the American people, Mr. McCarthy says that, that Democrats don't like the results. We like the results. We didn't like how the Constitution required us to install and respect and obey the, the uh, laws of a president who was not the choice of the people. But we followed the Constitution. So we do here. The Constitution says if the president commits high crimes and misdemeanors, the House can impeach him. And I think they should. And, and Laura, um, the Democrats have been accused of rushing this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, how come you're not taking him, the White House to court to force these subpoenas, to force the testimony? Here's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Democrat Adam Schiff, uh, earlier today. The argument, why don't you just wait, amounts to this. Why don't you just let him cheat in one more election? Despite everything we have uncovered, the president's misconduct continues to this day, unapologetically and right now. That seems to be the prevailing argument in the Democratic caucus. Mm -hmm. That and as well as uh, Pelosi earlier today told Politico at an event that we were holding that they have waited, that it's been two years and that they waited for the Mueller report and then they once the Ukraine transcript came out, they decided to conduct that investigation and that she argued that there is some urgency given the 2020 election. So uh, that is why she very much wants them to hold the vote ahead of Christmas. All right, everyone stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about possible bad news for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Some new reporting on why some Democrats are looking at another option that is not impeachment. Plus, He's back in the USA, President Trump welcoming Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, with another Oval Office visit. Detail of what's happening inside coming up. In our politics lead today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that she's not worried that impeachment could cost Democrats the House. But some in her caucus do seem concerned. A group of Democrats in districts that President Trump won were pushing for the president to be censured instead of impeached, and at least two Democrats are leaning towards voting against impeachment. Joining me now is a member of the House Judiciary Committee, Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jayapal of Washington State. Congresswoman, good to see you. As always, thanks for joining us. Let me ask you, the odds that the Republican-led Senate will remove the president from office are not particularly high. Why not censure President Trump instead of impeaching him 
A censure motion is probably more likely to pick up some Senate Republican votes and put an official black mark next to the president's name, no? This just isn't about what the Senate will do. This is about upholding our oath to the Constitution. And here's the thing. We have a president who has committed the gravest of abuses, abuses of power and obstruction of Congress, which essentially says that he's a monarch, he's a dictator. This is a man who used the Oval Office to bully and coerce a foreign ally to interfere in our election. And it isn't just Ukraine, Jake. As you know, there's a pattern of conduct here with this president trying to literally take away our democracy. That is a grave threat. This is also a president unprecedented, by the way. This didn't happen with Nixon, didn't happen with Clinton. He has obstructed Congress at every single stage, refused to send his people in to testify, refused to provide any documents. He has said that Article 2 gives him the power to do anything he wants. Mm -hmm. We cannot allow that to happen. And I hope that the Republicans in the House and in the Senate understand that we are not here serving our parties. We are here to serve our nation. And that means that we have to look at the uncontested facts that are in front of us, the gravity of the situation, and they should stand with us to vote yes on these articles of impeachment. Do you know of any House Republicans who might vote to impeach? Well, I am waiting for them to emerge. You know, two weeks ago, my former uh, Washington State Senator, Slade Gorton, a Republican, came out with an op-ed that said Republicans have plenty in front of them to vote to impeach this president. That's what they should do. He broke with his party on the Clinton impeachment. That is the kind of courage we need. We need the patriotism and the courage of the, uh, similar to the, uh, you know, many Foreign Service individuals who came and testified before us. And so that's, I think, the most important thing. It looks like I lost my earpiece there, so. Oh, okay. Do you, you know, don't have the earpiece. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll be able to get it. And okay, there, there you go. go. I think so Democrat- got it again. Okay. Democratic sources tell CNN that, that the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, your committee, uh, Jerry Nadler, privately advocated for obstruction of justice to be one of the articles of impeachment, uh, which would have included evidence from the Mueller probe. Uh, That was a point of contention in your party. Ultimately, uh, it was not included as an article of impeachment. Do you think it should have been included? I I don't think it was a point of contention. I will tell you that these two articles, there are lots of different views here, and we looked at all of the views. The most important thing to us on the Judiciary Committee as we had our many discussions was that the pattern of conduct that was found in the Mueller report, um, in the Mueller investigation, that we had a way to present that into these articles. And both articles on abuse of power and on obstruction of Congress have that built into it. There are a couple of lines in each article that talks about that pattern of conduct because as terrible as what happened in the Mueller report was, this is actually while Donald Trump is president. So Ukraine was so much more egregious in different ways. But had we not had the Mueller investigation, I'm, I'm not sure we would be at this point. So that was incredibly important, that pattern of conduct. And we have included those in these articles of impeachment. And I think that's what most of us were very concerned about. Congresswoman, I, I wanted to get your reaction as a member of the House Judiciary Committee to Attorney General Bill Barr today saying that the FBI may have acted in bad faith by opening the Russia investigation and saying uh, that the Trump campaign was spied on, uh, despite what the inspector general report actually said, which is neither of those things. 
Bill Barr is a sham as an attorney general. Um, he should not be in that position. He is supposed to be advocating for the country. He's not supposed to be the president's personal lawyer. To, to criticize his own attorney general or contradict his own attorney general, it shows us exactly his true colors. He's never going to stand up for the country. He's only going to stand up for a corrupt president who has abused his office and obstructed Congress. And I think, it, you know, Bill Barr should not be the attorney general. That should be for somebody who is dedicated to the law of the country, not to uh, being the, the president's personal attorney. Democratic Congresswoman uh, Pramila, Pramila uh, Jayapal of Washington State, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. President Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell are not on the same page when it comes to impeachment. Some new CNN reporting next. Stay with us. And the politics lead, 9.08 Eastern Time today. House Democratic leaders officially announced two articles of impeachment against President Trump. 10.07 a.m. House Democratic leaders approved a trade deal with President Trump. 2.22 p.m. The Russian foreign minister arrived at the White House to meet with President Trump, getting an Oval Office visit, one that the president of Ukraine has yet to be granted, one might observe. But as President Trump rolls out the red carpet again for the Russians, CNN's Caitlin Collins reports there is a growing division between President Trump and one of his closest Republican allies here at home. So he's not relieved, but we did expect this. After House Democrats outlined two articles of impeachment against the president today, White House officials said they were surprised they didn't go further. We thought actually that it was going to be four or five. Bribery, Mueller, emoluments. Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham telling Fox News the White House is gearing up for a Senate trial. I'm sure we will participate in some in some way. But sources tell CNN there's a growing divide between Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell over what that trial will look like. We would love for a lot of witnesses. Will the to president come participate? Sources say McConnell wants it over quickly, even floating a 10 day minimum, as he hopes to avoid a circus that could come with potentially damaging votes for his members. But on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, they're looking for a show, including live witness testimony from Hunter Biden. Good morning, everyone. Just moments after unveiling the impeachment articles, Democrats returned to announce support for the president's trade deal with Canada and Mexico after months of negotiations. There is no question, of course, that this uh, uh, trade agreement is much better than NAFTA. That announcement coming at a striking moment as the same group of House Democrats are moving closer to impeachment. But Pelosi says she's not handing Trump a win. It's way far away from what the president was proposing. He wouldn't even recognize it. Back at the White House, Trump also met this afternoon with the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. The last time Lavrov was in the Oval Office, Trump bragged about firing James Comey the day before and revealed classified information about ISIS that had been provided to the U.S. by Israeli intelligence. Jake, the Senate Majority Leader spoke this afternoon. He said he doesn't think the Senate is going to get to that impeachment trial until early next year. And when it comes to whether or not there are going to be witnesses, live witnesses, as the president wants in person during that trial, he said that's a decision that will be made after the opening statement has already happened. Hmm. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House for us. Thank you uh, so much. Let's discuss about this. Uh, sources say McConnell wants to wrap up the impeachment uh, trial quickly and protect Republicans from any potential damaging votes. Trump obviously wants to turn this into what people close to him call a spectacle with Hunter Biden, Adam Schiff, the whistleblower testifying. Uh, who do you think ultimately will win the argument? 
Well, I think what McConnell's looking towards is basically what will protect most of his members and also what has 51 votes. Because so far, while the White House has made a lot of pronouncements about an aggressive trial strategy, live witnesses on the Senate chamber, and obviously the president himself saying a whole bunch of things that he wants in a Senate trial, in private, at least what we've been told, is that on procedure, they had sort of been deferring to what can actually pass the Senate. You know, the Senate, uh, Schumer and McConnell have to pass some sort of or, or they're trying to agree to some sort of a structured resolution to set up the contours of a trial. If that doesn't work, McConnell will see what gets 51 of his members on board. But the bottom line is McConnell, who is in charge of this chamber, does not want a circus. His leadership does not want a circus. And his members who are running in tough races uh, next November do not want a circus either. And I would presume uh, McConnell may have a lot of uh, talking and persuading to do of, of uh, President Trump in the future about what is best politically for both him and for Senate Republicans. But would a circus help President Trump if it became this tr bizarre thing with, you know, the Hunter Biden and mm -hmm. Joe Biden? And all, I mean, would that would that even help the president? Yeah, maybe. Just by being a distraction? <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't you think it's probably President Trump's goal to turn the Senate trial into a massive campaign ad? Every camera will cover it. He can make it an opposition ad against the whole Biden family and then tell the story of his supposed triumph against the deep state. You could have Rand Paul talking about FISA abuse. I mean, I can see how this would play out, but it really comes down to what kind of leader is Mitch McConnell in a moment like this? I'm not sure. I, I know Mitch McConnell's preference would probably be to get this over and be done quickly, but is he going to be able to stand up to the White House or is he going to try to find a way to make everybody happy and give Lindsey Graham a starring role here and Rand Paul a starring role here if it gets him enough votes? And we have seen a number of Republicans in the Senate, not to mention the House, of course, uh, willing to do the president's bidding, willing to repeat the things he says that are not true. I mean, so I, I, I don't I mean, there are probably a lot of willing participants in the Senate trial. There are. The question is, will they do it to the detriment of their institution, the Senate and maybe even to themselves? or at least their colleagues, their majority. You know, they, they do have several Republicans who are running for re-election in states that Democrats have targeted, including Susan Collins of Maine, Martha McSally in Arizona, Cory Gardner in Colorado. If this looks like a circus, I think Amanda's right, the president benefits also because he can say, look, that's the swamp, that's a circus, but it's really bad for the Senate. Back in the Clinton days, I remember leaders in the Senate, the Republicans controlled it, so we didn't have a lot of influence. They were very concerned that the House had looked terribly partisan, also Republican, Republicans running the Senate at the time, Trent Lott, they didn't want the Senate to be dragged down that way. And they had a very decorous, wasn't boring, but had a very decorous, formal, uh, uh, you know, uh, honorable proceeding in the Senate. And, and I don't know which way they go, but either way, McConnell can't protect those vulnerable senators. I will say this. I was on the Hill last week. I saw a bunch of Senate Democrats. They're not afraid of this. Mm -hmm. They're just not. Impeachment with Clinton redounded against the party that impeached him. Right now, it's not hurting the Democrats at all, including several I talked to from states Trump carried. They're not. Maybe they should be. But I'm just telling you, they're not afraid of Trump. Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney, the senator, Republican senator from Utah, told uh, Manu Raju that his mind is open about voting potentially uh, on to, to convict. I mean, who mm -hmm. knows what's ultimately going to happen? Do you think that there actually are? Do you, I mean, do you believe Romney when he says that? And do you think there are Republicans who might actually vote to Remove President Trump from office. It's I, a pretty bold vote. It is. I can't really say whether or not Romney would vote that way. Uh, in the past, he said that he's been open to things and then and then has gone back to the party. Um, but I'm not sure that there are enough votes in the in the Senate uh, fr from Senate Republicans to convict. Uh, I think that even at the end of the day, if Gardner 
or McSally or others do feel nervous about their reelection campaigns, they might be more afraid of p- what partying with the president yeah. could do That's to right. them. They need the base uh, to turn out for exactly. them. Exactly. All right, everyone, uh, stick around. we got more to talk about President Trump's FBI director. Sticking to facts, and in this administration, you know what that means. Stay with us. And we are back with our politics lead. Today, House Democrats unveiled articles of impeachment and alleged President Trump abused his office by pressuring Ukraine to investigate conspiracy theories that Trump administration officials past and present have called false or debunked. One about the Bidens, the other about Ukraine interfering in the 2016 election, not Russia. Now, one of the reasons the president is facing impeachment right now is because of this predilection for conspiracy theories and lies, ones told entirely in service to himself. In that vein today, the president is taking issue with the facts asserted by his own FBI director, Christopher Wray. Mr. Trump tweeting, quote, I don't know what report current director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, was reading, but it sure wasn't the one given to me, unquote. The president there referring to the Justice Department Inspector General report about, in part, The origins of the Russia investigation, the report did not support the president's wild conspiracy theory that there was some sort of deep state treasonous plot and coup against him. The inspector general found that in this particular instance, the investigation was opened with appropriate predication and authorization. Do you have any evidence that the FBI targeted the Trump campaign unfairly? I don't. What Ray said is at odds with what the president and his defenders increasingly rely upon, alternative facts, also known as lies. Ray, in fact, debunked a a different lie with this statement. We have no information that indicates the Ukraine interfered with the 2016 presidential election. That is, of course, despite the president insisting that the Ukrainian president investigate that very conspiracy theory, holding up military aid partly until the Ukrainians committed to doing so, according to the White House chief of staff. And desperate allies, even ones who have felt firsthand the brunt of Mr. Trump's predilection to spread false conspiracy theories, well, they too continue to spread this lie. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald you know Trump why? during the election season. Do you know season. why he did? An ambassador writing an op-ed in The Hill, a newspaper, criticizing candidate Trump's suggestion that Crimea should be part of Russia, that is not election interference, as national security officials consider it. It is, as Senator Marco Rubio, Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee, told CNN, not even in the same universe as the Russian government's massive and multifaceted operation to interfere in the 2016 election. But muddying this all up to confuse the public, to confuse you. That, that's part of the defense. And the president's defenders now also increasingly want you to deny what you have seen with your own eyes and heard with your own ears. The president asked a leader of a foreign country to investigate his political rival. So one simple question to start. Is that appropriate? Well, one, he didn't do that. He did do that. But don't take it from me. Just listen to what President Trump said when asked what he wanted from the Ukrainian president in that July 25th phone call. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. It's a very simple answer. Uh, They should investigate the Bidens. Facts. Part of the reason why we are here today 
at the brink of impeachment is because there seem to no longer be any guardrails, no one around President Trump to stop him. Because if, like FBI Director Christopher Wray, you dare to state facts as your job requires, well, then your job is on the line. Joining me now to talk about this, CNN's Evan Perez and former Deputy Assistant Attorney General Elliot Williams. Evan, FBI Director Ray here is recounting what the IG found and just doing so in a factual manner, and it's putting him in trouble with President Trump. And who has fired an FBI director before? What more are you hearing about? Right, this? exactly. And I think one of the interesting parts of that tweet is the word currently, the current FBI director, yeah. sort of suggesting perhaps he may not be. But look, I think Chris Ray is somebody, having covered him for many years and and, and knowing him, uh, you know, he, uh, he jokes about that there's sometimes people don't know whether he has a pulse or not. And he says he doesn't get bothered by things like this. But it is true that, look, the FBI director said that he ordered 40 corrective changes as a result of what this IG report says. But he doesn't shy away from the fact that it does not support the things that the president wants him to say it does. And, and he's not afraid to do that. And, and that's where, you know, in these times, for some reason, it does put you in really you know, shaky ground. Stating the facts. Uh, right, just stating the facts, because that's not what the president, frankly, uh, even the attorney general is sort of going along with what the president wants to say. So, uh, frankly, it's just one of those weird times in Washington where if you're the FBI director, it's probably one of the toughest jobs that you ever would have. The IG report completely destroyed President Trump's theory that this was a deep state anti-Trump coup. Uh, you have said before that Christopher Ray is a dead man walking. Yeah, I said that on this network, in fact. So I came into the criminal division at the Justice Department under Ray when he was the head of it. And I actually, that thing, it was a few months ago, I just don't see how he survives in the job. And this is now the playbook from the president. You mean that, that as seen. a compliment to him? I mean that as a compliment to him, as someone <laughs> with integrity and as a good career prosecutor. Look, yeah. you get the nasty tweet, you get the articles in the Washington Post or whatever saying people are souring, uh, the president is souring on the FBI director, and then ultimately the resignation or the termination. You saw it with Jeff Sessions, Rex Tillerson, Kirsten Nielsen. You've seen it with Don McGahn. And it happens again and again and again when anyone dares to step out of line and not essentially act as one of the president's stooges or cronies, they end up getting terminated. And, and you're seeing it again, playing it out with Chris Ray And uh, Attorney General Barr, as you mentioned, he's out there. I mean, the whole point of having an inspector general is to have a neutral arbiter go into these things. And so Attorney, Inspector General Harwitz does this. And Bill Barr comes out and, and just says it's wrong. Right. He issued a very, you know, incendiary statement yesterday. Uh, and then today in an interview with NBC and then uh, in another end with The Wall Street Journal, he doubled down on this idea that the FBI had nefarious reasons and motivations to, set, uh, in, in, you know, to go after the president's campaign, in his view, and spy on the president's campaign. He's not abandoning that phrasing. Take a listen to what he had to say. The core statement, in my opinion, by uh, the IG is that these irregularities, these misstatements, these omissions were not satisfactorily explained. And I think that leaves open the possibility to infer bad faith. I think it's premature now to reach a judgment on that. But I think uh, that further work has to be done, and that's what Durham is doing. And he's talking about John Durham, the prosecutor who he has appointed to to take another look at exactly what Horowitz took a look at. And uh, one, it, well, just one quick thing I wanted to add to that, you know, in the interview with NBC, he also uh, is asked a question about the Ukraine conspiracy. And he says, you know, I just don't know. 
which is sort of really an astonishing thing. Even the, though Ray, the same day, says yes. we have no information of anything like right. that. And he used the word spying, a word for, he's, usually that's used for foreign uh, intelligence right. agents talking about spying. But this is about the FBI. He said the FBI was spying on the Trump campaign. And there was a question as to what's, when he used that word in a hearing a few months back, was it a slip of the tongue and you know, did he make a mistake in saying that? Because that's a legally very fraught and very loaded term. But he doubled down today and it is remarkable. You know, the president sees the attorney general as his almost a personal attorney. And unfortunately, Barr is giving him what he wants. Yeah, we heard Congresswoman uh, Jayapal say earlier that some not so nice things about him. Evan Perez and Elliot Williams, thank you so much. Just an hour after issuing the articles of impeachment, Democrats handed President Trump a big win. We'll explain why next. <clears throat> the world lead now. Only an hour after unveiling articles of impeachment against President Trump, Democrats delivered to him one of the biggest legislative victories of his presidency, a deal on North American trade. CNN's Phil Mattingly is on Capitol Hill for us. Phil, today's Speaker Pelosi called the original proposal from the Trump administration deeply flawed. So what's in this new USMCA that's so much better? Yeah, and she also said this morning when she was talking behind closed doors to her caucus, according to one person in the room, we ate their lunch in the negotiations that followed after she called it deeply flawed. And they were lengthy negotiations. And among the things Democrats say they won in those negotiations really centers on things like labor and environment. I want to start with the labor issue. One, they created new rules on enforcement through this, uh, the negotiations that they had. And that would go along with the strength of the labor protections for workers. These are crucial issues for Democrats, crucial issues for the labor community, particularly as it pertains to Mexico. They also added environmental rules and enforcement mechanisms related to those rules and reviews, which is something they've been pushing for for several weeks. And the final thing, and this was a very big issue at the end, they removed language that would have protected expensive biologic drugs uh, from imitators over the course of 10 years. This was in the original deal. Democrats worked to remove it. It was a key issue that they had. They got it out. Democrats feel good about this. There's a reason, Jake, the AFL-CIO backed it. They feel good about the labor protections, and that's why you're seeing a lot of Democrats get behind the speaker on this. Uh, Phil, this isn't, however, a complete overhaul of NAFTA, the previous trade agreement between Mexico, the U.S. and Canada. How is USMCA different? Yeah, this is an important point. I think despite the hyperbole you may hear from, from the White House about what this actually is, it is in large part, large swaths at least, are NAFTA. That is a bulkier NAFTA to some degree. Now, what it does do, what the Trump administration worked very hard to achieve, it adds incentives for cars and parts to be made in North America. Part of the way they're doing that is kind of carrot and stick approach by threatening tariffs if you don't uh, hit a certain percentage from the origin of country, or country of origin. It also implements rules to try and drive auto worker wages higher throughout, the, uh, throughout North America, Canada, U.S and Mexico at the center of this deal. And one of the crucial kind of biggest fights in the original iteration of this deal that still remains, the U.S. was able to get broader access into Canadian dairy markets. It's one of the areas that has been closed off to U.S. dairy producers for a long period of time. They got an expanded access. That's a big win for the Trump administration that Canada had been resisting for a long time. They secured it in this deal, Jake. All right, Phil Mattingly, thanks so much. The last time this happened, President Trump shared classified information with Russia's foreign minister. That's next. Also on our world lead today, President Trump met with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov in the Oval Office today behind closed doors. You might remember the last time Trump had a private meeting in the Oval Office with Lavrov, May 2017. Sources telling CNN that the president claimed pressure was off him because he had just fired the previous FBI director. He also shared highly classified information with Lavrov and the Russian ambassador, as CNN's Kylie Atwood reports. 
Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov standing shoulder to shoulder with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo today. It's an open secret that we have different views on different things. Lavrov sought to distance Russia from the debunked theory that Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election a Russian narrative trumpeted by the president and his allies. As for Ukraine and elections in the United States in 2016, it has nothing to do with us. That is an issue for two sovereign states. For his part, Pompeo did not mention the Ukraine theory, but instead stood firm, not letting Russia off the hook for interference, which the U.S. intelligence community overwhelmingly concluded they committed. We think we've shared uh, plenty of facts to show uh, what happened in the 2016 election with our uh, Russian counterparts. We don't think there's any mistake about what really transpired there. Now, after meetings here at the State Department, Foreign Minister Lavrov went over to the White House, where he met with President Trump for about an hour today. Jake, it is very noteworthy that the Russians got a White House meeting today because that is the one thing that the Ukrainians had been pushing for ever since President Zelensky got into office earlier this year. But they have still been denied that Oval Office meeting. It is one of the main things that is at the heart of the impeachment inquiry. Jake. All right, Kylie Atwood at the State Department, thanks so much. Uh, this just in, the House Judiciary Committee will begin debating articles of impeachment starting at 7 p.m. tomorrow. The committee will begin voting at 9 a.m. on Thursday. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.